Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Good. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. And as you heard, Bria uh, just read the scripture for us. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to get it and turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua's an Old Testament book. Uh, you'll find it um, if you need a table of contents. There's a, a Bible in front of you. You can share with someone next to you. Um, just don't give them COVID. And um, just kidding. Also want to welcome uh, our online crowd today. So grateful they could join us. Uh, folks in the military, serving overseas, focal, folks local, out of state. So could we just welcome our online crowd? Could y'all give them a round of applause? Thank you for being here. And um, I know some of the folks on our website were uh, just trying to get that squared away. Hopefully they're good to go now. So say hello in the chat if you're there and uh, appreciate you guys joining us. Joshua chapter 3. Again, if you need a table of contents, uh, feel free to use it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, right? That's number six, maybe. And uh, that's where we're going to be today. The title of the message is Crossing Over. The book of Joshua is all about crossing over to a new place. And um, uh, if you're familiar with the story of the Bible, if you're familiar with the, uh, the story of the people of God called the Israelites... They were slaves for over 400 years in Egypt, and God brought them out of Egypt to the land that he had promised to a guy named Abraham, uh, you know, hundreds of years before that. And he said, this is going to be the land called the land of Canaan. And here we are even in uh, modern times, and they're still bombing each other over this issue. And so I hope we continue to pray for uh, Israel and Palestine and all those who have lost their lives in the midst of all of this. And so, um, you know, uh, th this land was promised to a guy named Abraham, and, uh, and he said, we're going to bring you to it. And so they were slaves for a while, and then God led them out of slavery, and then they were going into the promised land. And if you were here a few weeks ago, um, as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan, um, they sent in these 12 spies to check out the, li the land, and 10 out of the 12 were scared, and they, they refused to trust God. They refused to believe God. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, God has called us to do this, and, and, uh, and we can trust him, and, and this is where he's told us to go. So we've got to walk by faith, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how new it might be, we've got to walk with God. Well, you know, how many of you know the majority won that conversation, unfortunately? And, um, and so they said, no, we're not going to go God's way. And so God said, okay, you don't want to go my way? Then they just kind of did what we call laps in the desert because it's not a, a very far uh, journey from Egypt to uh, Palestine. And so they just marched around Saudi Arabia for 40 years until that whole generation died out. And, um, and then the next generation was able to go into the promised land. And so this is where we pick up the story of the book of Joshua. They're about to cross over into the promised land, and they're about to cross over the Jordan River. And so this is a big point in their history. It's all about crossing over. And so it's in this series that we're talking about different and knowing that God's ways are different than our ways. And, and we, who as people who claim the name of Christ, if you're here today and you say you're a Christian, if you're watching online today and you say you're a Christian, we are called to live in a different way than the world. And so uh, this is how we live. We continue to walk with God. And so we're going to look at crossing over and going into a new place. As a church, we're going to into a new season. And are we going to continue to trust God in the midst of this new season? Um, as we prepare to look at the first verse here, um, I want to remind folks uh, that uh, we will be observing the Lord's Supper or communion today. So there should be some of those around you. And also for our online folks, if you're celebrating 
uh, the Lord's Supper with us and you hadn't prepared those things, you may want to get those now. And of course, still listen to the sermon. And, uh, but anyhow, and so let's pick up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what it says. Verse 1 says this, early in the morning, Joshua. Now, um, I heard somebody say, they have a friend named Joshua, and they said he never gets up early in the morning, so the Bible is wrong. And um, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, some of y'all thought I was going to say a bad word when I pronounced that city, and, um, and so um, you got to be careful how you say that word, and so... Uh, I won't embarrass anybody, but listen, the point here is they are about to cross over. They're about to cross over into a new season, into a new place, going from one season to another. They didn't know what was in the promised land, and they had to trust God in the midst of it. I wonder how many of us here today, I want to ask you, you're here today, spiritually or just physically, are you going someplace new? Is this a new season for you? It could be a new season for you because... Maybe you've got a new baby, as I saw so many babies this morning. They were all so cute and even have some in here with us. We love babies. And uh, is it a new season for you? Because some of you are about to get married. Uh, some of you are brand new to church. Maybe it's your first time you haven't been in church in years and you're here today. Welcome. Maybe you're new to the area or you're about to enter into a new season uh, in your career or graduating or, or maybe for some of you, you're trying to figure out, you know, you're heading towards retirement or there's a new season in your life uh, with health things going on. And so are you going someplace new? And new can mean scary, right? For some of us. Some people are strange, like me, and I like things new, and uh, I'm a little warped like that, but most people, uh, when something new comes up, it causes us to kind of brace, right? What is going on? And so, as a church, we are crossing over to someplace new, and so how do we operate in this season before we cross over? And so, tell your neighbor, reach over to them and say, we're going someplace new, all right, now do your other neighbor, do your other neighbor, and uh, your second choice, and tell them we're going someplace new. We're going someplace new. Something new is actually always happening. In case you didn't know, your body is making things new. Your body is reproducing cells right now as you sit there. It is re reproducing uh, you know, skin cells and hair cells and all kinds of other cells all throughout your body, blood cells. I mean, all kinds of things are happening. There are new things happening all of the time. The Bible says one day God is going to make, as we were just singing, God is going to make all things new at the end of time. When he wraps up what we know as history, he's going to make all things new. And so we're going someplace new. But when you're going someplace new, you want to know what's next, Right? Tell me what's going to happen. Uh, God, can I get some more information, right? And how many of you know that God doesn't always give you all the information? Because if he did, most of us wouldn't follow him, right? He would say, no, I, I didn't sign up for that, God. I didn't, I didn't, uh, no, I didn't know. And so he gives us one step at a time. That's what he did with the man called Abraham uh, in the earlier part of the Bible, Genesis. And he said, look, I just want you to go this city. And he said, I went to that city. And he led him step by step. And that's how God leads us step by step. And so we don't know exactly what's around the corner. And so, but we do know that God is up to something new. And so we're celebrating today as a church. We're celebrating. It's our celebration service. And we should be 
celebrating. We're celebrating all that God has done in the history of this church. Our church is just now in May, 58 years old. And, uh, and then we're celebrating the fact that uh, it's not just us as a church, but we belong to a greater church, the capital C church, which means every church throughout all of history, every church in Virginia Beach, every church in uh, the state of Virginia, every church in the United States, every church in Mexico and Canada and Africa and Asia. And I mean, we could go all, we belong to the global church of all believers of all time. And, and that's the one true church. There's one church. It may go by different names. It may go by different denominations. But those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior belong to the capital C church. Amen? And so, listen, that church is going to continue to exist no matter where, no matter what. And, uh, and so churches come and go and uh, names come and go. But God is bringing new life to our church through this merger. We believe God has brought us and, and faithfully led us to this point as a church where we say, man, we want to see new life. We want to see awesome things happen here. And so uh, the, this is what we want to navigate. And if you're heading into a new season, before you cross over into a new season, let me give you some things I think we can pull out of the scripture here. Number one, you can write this down. I want you to remember before you cross over, remember the job is not done. The job is not done. When you head into a new season, when you graduate, when you get married, when you have a baby, when you enter and, and you get the, the test results, when these new things happen, when you retire, the job is not done, right? No, in fact, when you have a baby, you know the job has just started, right? You're like, I was just waiting to deliver the baby and now it's here. And now it's like, oh boy, buckle your seatbelt, um, Somebody was looking at, at my shirt the other day, and I had a little stain on it, and they were wondering what that was, and I was standing next to uh, uh, one of our other staff members who had a baby, and I said, well, if I had a baby, I could blame it on the baby. You know, it's like, oh, my kids spit up on me this morning, and, uh, but I don't have babies that I can blame that on anymore, so it's just my sloppiness while eating that uh, had dripped on my shirt, and so, you know, but listen, the job is not done yet, and so sometimes when we head into a new season, uh, we think, okay, it's over, I can just kind of chill. And as a church, I don't want anyone to think that the job is done. You're like, hey, we merged. That was the big thing. All right, now let's just let Red Church do everything. No, no, no. We're going to need everybody. Uh, we're going to need all hands on deck because the reason we merge is because we have a mission. We want to accomplish the mission, and we believe we can do it better together by having a continued broader spectrum, by, by having more hands to help us. It makes the work light, but that doesn't mean we get to just go sit down and, um, and stop doing what God has called us to do. So I don't want anyone to think the job is done. Anybody here familiar with Kobe Bryant, basketball player? Some of us? Okay, good, good. Uh, if you're in the chat, you guys are uh, familiar with Kobe Bryant? And uh, I know some of us, uh, in fact, we were, we were doing some things in preparation today, and me and uh, Michael Raymer were getting some stuff ready, and he was holding the basket, and I asked him, so I, I, I shot a couple things into the basket there. I missed the first one, but I made two in a row after that. And, uh, and typically, like, if I throw something in the trash, this is kind of a phrase that we use. We'll, we'll shoot it in the trash and go, Kobe, because that's kind of like, I don't know if anybody does that. Maybe it's just me. And so I see I'm very alone up here today. But that's kind of what I do because he was a great basketball player. Well, uh, he is uh, retired, which made me feel old. And then, unfortunately, he, he passed away. But there was a story in 2009. Some people say he is the greatest player of all time. And in 2009, they were up 2-0 to zero in the NBA basketball championships, up 2-0. to zero. And they were interviewing him after the games, always do these interviews. And so they were talking to Kobe about this, what about that, defense, offense, blah, blah, blah. And one of the, the commentators said, Kobe, um, I mean, you don't seem real happy. What, 
can we get a smile? Or is there a reason? Are you not happy about something? And Kobe just looked at him, straight face, looked at, looked at the guy, looked in the camera, and, and said, the job's not done yet. We haven't won the championship. The goal is to win the championship. Yeah, we're up to zero, and that's good, and that's exciting, but the job's not done yet. I don't want anybody in here thinking the job is done yet, amen? And when you head into the new season of your life, it's not like, whoo, the job's not done yet. No, see, as a church, we have a job to do. We've got to reach this city, right? That's why we're here. We're here to reach this city. We're here to love on some people in our community. Uh, we're here to bring them in, raise them up, and then send them back out to be a light wherever they work, live, and play. We're here to encourage. We want to celebrate what God is doing, and so we're not done yet. We're not here for our own comfort, right? And that's the thing we continue to remind ourselves about. And, uh, and so if you're thinking, okay, yep, uh, the merger is complete. We can just chill. We don't have any work to do. No, no, that's wrong. We've got work to continue to do because God has left us here, right? If you have breath in your lungs, God has given you a purpose, and he, and he left you on the planet for a reason to bless people. As we think about this group of people in the Bible that we just read about, they were going into this land called the promised land. It's also called the land flowing with milk and honey, right? You, you've heard that before. And, and to us, that, that, that sounds kind of weird, like a land flowing with milk and honey. Is there milk coming out of the rock? Is there honey? Like, just are there streams of honey? You know? But it was a phrase uh, that just reminded that it was a fertile land in the midst of all this desert. And so they called it the land flowing with milk and honey. And God gave it to the Israelites. But this is what he said. He didn't give it to them, this beautiful land, this land flowing with milk and honey. Ooh, you know, whole milk from, from over, over weast dairy delivered to your door in a nice glass bottle and some, some, some fresh honey from the farmer's market just dripping from the comb, right? He didn't say, I'm giving this to you as the people of Israel for your own benefit. No, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Abraham and the children of Israel, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You got a raise, that raise wasn't just for you. Okay, you're blessed, you, you got the stimulus, that wasn't just for you, right? You're blessed in order that you could be a blessing to others. And some of us, the reason why we don't get the blessing we were hoping, maybe the reason you didn't get the raise is because God knows you're stingy. And I love you, but he knows you're not going to share. And so God says, listen, until you start learning to share, you won't get more, right? How many know that's true? And so, listen, you're blessed in order to be blessed. So the, the people of Israel were placed in that land. In fact, it wasn't just for them. But what he said after blessed to be a blessing, he said, I'm going to make you a blessing to every nation. See, God didn't choose to work through the people of Israel just because they were the greatest. No, they were small. In fact, that's why God likes to work through the small, through the tiny, through the weak. But he says, it's not just about you. I'm going to bless all nations through you. And so, listen, church. Listen, sir or ma'am. God has given you the resources, the personality, the gifts, the time teenager, young person. He's given you what you have so that you might be a blessing. And so the job's not done yet. Amen. And I could just imagine Joshua and Caleb looking at each other in the eyes, talking about all they've been through. They're getting ready to cross over the, the Jordan River and they can go back through and tell the history, right? Hey, hey, Caleb, remember when we were slaves in Egypt? Man, I was crazy. We were little, but we were slaves. Man, it was a hard life, but now we're here. Hey, remember, remember when uh, Moses came to get us out of slavery and, uh, and man, Pharaoh was about to knock him out. And then Moses turned the, the, the stick into a serpent and it freaked Moses, uh, freaked Pharaoh out, man. But now we're here. 
All these di- different things have happened in our past. Remember how, how, how we, I, there, were, there was a plague of locusts. There was a plague of this, man, and, and God just showed up. Remember that, Caleb? And, and, and remember all the stuff God has brought us through? But now we're here. Reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell them, but now we're here. But now we're here. We're not in the past. We're not in the future yet, but now we're right here. We're about to cross over, and we're right here, and the job is not done yet. And now we're here, right? Uh, they, they were wandering through the desert, and there was no water. There was no water. Hey, hey, Caleb, Joshua, remember, remember, remember there was no water, and we were dying of thirst. We're in the desert, and then, and then Moses struck the rock, and boom, water came out of that. Remember, that was awesome. But now we're here. Remember, we didn't have any meat to eat. We just wanted some protein. We just wanted a protein bar, a protein shake, and we needed some protein in our diet, and, um, and we didn't get any. And then what did God do? God just rained down a whole mess of quail, all those little birds just came, and we had manna and quail. Man, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that was awesome. But now we're here. Now we're here. Our church has, has had an awesome history, and God has worked through our church. I love the history of our church. Again, 58 years old, but it, but it started even before 58 years ago. It, it started uh, over 60 years ago when some people from South Norfolk said, hey, there's a new area that needs the gospel. There's a new area that needs light. It's this area called Princess Anne County. And, and they're starting to get rid of the farmland. And they're starting to put roads. And there's a place called Rosemont Road. It's a little teeny road, all kinds of farms and stuff out here. And, man, the people out there in that community that's going to grow, they're going to need Jesus. So they got together. They didn't know anybody that lived over here on Rosemont Road. They didn't know you. They didn't know me. But they believed that a church needed to exist. They believed the gospel needed to get out. And so they had a business meeting. And, and, and at first, they were going to just spend 25000 you know how much money 25000 was to folks back in 1960? Some of y'all know that way better than I do because you were there. You were there in 1960. According to inflation, about $25,000, about $250,000. That's how much inflation has changed since 1960. That's a lot of money. And those folks gave. Those folks collected that money. And, and listen, it wasn't for them. It was to send here and, and listen, South Norfolk is, 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 you know, it was like light years away back in those days. And uh, for some of you, you've never even been to South Norfolk anyways, and you're not even sure what I'm talking about. It's just, it's like the, the redheaded stepchild of, of the 757. Norf- Norfolk didn't want it. Chesapeake really didn't want it. South Norfolk tried to be its own thing. And so if y'all are from South Norfolk, you know how it is. And, um, and, and so it was, at one time, it, it was the heyday. It was a popular place to go. And then it started to go downhill. Nobody wanted South Norfolk. But, but they had a vision for this area. And so they got together to put some money together. It ended up being $50,000 instead of 25000 Again, so that's about $500,000 that they sent here that they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't ever see themselves because they knew the gospel needed to reach other people. Right? Because we're blessed to be a blessing. The job's not done yet because there are other people who need to hear. There are others who need the love of God and who need to be encouraged, right? And so I want to share with you this quote. I believe we've got a quote. Brother Mike, is that right? And uh, this is what Frank Hughes said. He was the pastor of South Norfolk Baptist Church. He said this. He said, the great, this is a great hour in the history of the world and of our church. And our church must do her share in spreading the what? 
the gospel. That's the mission of the church, not keeping ourselves comfortable, right? Not just doing for ourselves, but spreading the gospel. And the gospel simply means the good news that God loves people, that God wants to forgive people, that God wants to forgive all of your sins, no matter your past, no matter what, what your gender, your, your demographics, God loves people. And so it's called good news. So he says this, we urge you to come and aid in capturing these opportunities. Your voice and your vote will prove to be a blessing to the coming what? Generation. See, our, our focus is not right on us. Our focus is on the coming generations that will continue to believe. This is why we are continuing to focus and move the mission forward. The job's not done yet because there are those who have not heard the love of God. So here are a couple other funny quotes I came across as they seeded our church. They sent some members over here. Um, next uh, quote there. Let's see what we got. Brother Mike says this. Once they, fi- they finally built the, the little chapel here is what they called it. They said, it's completely furnished with a modern nursery and new pews, right? And so that was the big thing back in those. We've got to have a modern nursery. We've got to have some new pews. And so that was a big deal because, listen, the church always adapts. The church always changes. It's always going someplace new. And, um, and so we as a church always have to adapt, amen? And then it says this, next quote, it says, the plaza chapel is set off in a carpet of green. How about that? How about the carpet of green? Well, that was the big deal back in those days. We got a green carpet. The landscaping is complete. The grass, the shrubbery make the appearance of the property pleasing to the eye. Oh, why would they say that? Because, see, they want the things here. This is why we're, you know, prepping for renovation because we want things to reflect the glory of God because it communicates about God. Then I think um, there's one more quote. Is that right? Um, Our church has made one of the greatest mission investments that we could have made. The immediate area around the plaza will have a population of 25,000 by 1968. And, man, I hope you know that um, that figure has increased uh, by almost 100,000 in our our current context. In just a three-mile radius, there's over 117,000 people just in three miles and so what, what, why was Reverend Hughes saying these things? Pastor Hughes saying these things? Because his eye was on the, the community and the people who need to know about Christ. And so, um, all right, let's see. We got uh, one more, and I think we got some pictures. Here we go. This is what it looked like. I love these pictures. And, um, and so this is the land they had to clear. This is the vision they had to see beyond themselves. And, um, and so they had to clear this land. Now, let's go to the next one there. And they didn't have the sidewalks. Yep. And could you imagine this? Uh, you know, just walking on these little planks here. I wonder how many of us would still come to church if, uh, if we had to walk like that, you know, to, to, to get to church, right? And then you slip in a heel, and, uh, and then you're just in the mud. And so, um, but listen, this is what it looked like just right here. Uh, it was just the, the, the front part of the building. Go to that next one there. It, it captures kind of the whole thing. That's what it looked like just at the beginning. But let's just hold it right there. Again, notice it's different than it is now. Again, why? Because the church continues to adapt. It continues to change because uh, as, as years go by, the needs change, and we have to continue to, to adapt to meet those needs. Notice what we don't have there. Notice the front looks very different. We don't have a second story. What else are we missing? Yeah, Welcome Center, all that sort of stuff. We're missing a steeple, right? Uh, but, but because there was growth, because there was change, and there was people that needed to be discipled, we started to add an education building up on the top. And so uh, let's see, what do we got next one, Brother Mike? And um, Oh, yeah, so this was part of the education building. That's Reverend Hughes there. And uh, this is where they started to build actually this back area here behind me and, um, and then uh, the, the upstairs. Some of you over there. Uh, I thought this was cool. Uh, this is very difficult to see. But um, because they had a need, um, they made the men meet outside underneath that tent there. 
And, um, and so listen, because sometimes you get displaced. Sometimes you're used to sitting in one place. Sometimes you're used to meeting in one classroom. But listen, because there is a mission, because there is something bigger than ourselves, we said, hey, guys, we don't have enough room for you because we're doing all this construction, so you've got to go outside to the tent. And uh, so now, thankfully, in our season, we've got buildings to use, and so nobody has to worship outside the tent. Unless, of course, the weather's, like, perfect like it is today, and then we might want to enjoy an outdoor service. That might be something we'll talk about. I don't know. And, um, and then we added the steeple and the second story. That, that came about seven or eight years later. Let's go to the next one. And, um, and then that's what it looked like. We added that education wing on the left there and then the, the second story on top. And, again, some of you guys remember this. But, again, notice that Plaza was different from the first picture and, and, and from that picture it's different than it is now because it's continually changing. All right, let's see. we got a couple more. And uh, at one time we had a big old bus. We used to send that bus to that. Look at that big old bus. And, um, and we don't have that bus anymore. And uh, we got the, the smaller little 15-passenger vans. And, um, and uh, so we were constantly, why do we need a bus? Because we were trying to reach children in the community, and so we were starting a bus ministry. And we also were starting a preschool, and so we were uh, navigating that. Because, again, the vision uh, caused us to make those changes to adapt, and, um, and, and that was our focus. Again, notice how the church had to change. And this is what the inside of the sanctuary looked like. You folks here were the, the red-headed stepchild. Some of y'all were here, and you remember those days, right, sitting there. Um, and so, uh, and this wall had a partition off. They would have some classes there, but it changed. And let's go, let's keep going. And uh, that was Reverend Hughes there. And then, let's see, we got a couple more. That was what, that's what you're looking at right now. And so, looks a little different now. Then there's Pastor Lee. And, um, and so, that was a different style and a different change back then. And then, uh, in, in the late 2000s, and uh, this was actually, I, I love this picture because this was revolutionary. This was cutting edge for that time. This was the first African-American deacon in our areas, Donzel Best. And so, uh, and some of you, again, were here for a part of this. Sort of stuff. That was shocking to do in this time period. Schools had just begun to integrate, and our church uh, was, was um, nominating someone as a deacon saying, man, we love people of all races and backgrounds and colors, and, um, and, and, and we want to make sure we treat everybody the same. I just I love and appreciate that heart that our church has always had. And so we've come a long way. We've been through all these things, but now we're here, right? And listen, the day will come. Are you with me? The day will come and we'll be in heaven itself, surrounded uh, the throne in the presence of the king. And God is going to say, I'm going to make all things new. He's going to wipe away every tear from our He's going to bring healing to every disease. And we will say, but now we're here. That's when the job's done. But until that day, church, we got, we got a job to do. We've got a mission to stay focused on and not on ourselves. And so, but now we're here. We've got a city to reach. We've got some people to fight for. Uh, we've got some kids to raise, right? We've got some kids to raise to tell them that God loves them, that God made them for a purpose. And you can tell the devil right now, uh, listen, get, I saw on somebody's shirt, get behind me, Satan. You can tell the devil right now, you tried to take us out, okay? You tried to make us lose focus, but we're not losing focus. The job is not done. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we're going to continue to further the mission. It may look different. It may sound different. It may have a different name, but we are going to accomplish what God has left us to do. Amen. I've been through some dangers. I've been through some toils. I've been through some snares, right? That's from an old song called Amazing Grace, but God's amazing grace. But now we're here. We're about to cross over. We're still moving. We're at the Jordan and we're going to cross over. So the first thing to remember is, right? The job's not done. Second thing to remember before you cross over is this, that we need to follow Jesus above all else. You know, that's one of our favorite statements here. And, um, Jesus above all else. 
Jesus above my preference, Jesus above my personality, Jesus above my political affiliation, Jesus above my background, Jesus above all else. We want to make sure we stay following Jesus above all else. Look at uh, the the next couple verses there in Joshua 3, uh, verses 2 through 3, it says this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions. Notice they're moving from their positions. Move out from your positions and what? Follow it. Follow it. Touch your neighbor, put it in the chat, say follow it. Follow it. What, what are we talking about here? What are they following? This is called the Ark of the Covenant. And, um, and if you saw Indiana Jones, you know, that's kind of a, an idea there. But that was a little weird. And so uh, if you open the Ark of the Covenant, everybody doesn't turn to dust or anything like that. And so, but it was a box containing, um, among other things, the Ten Commandments. And, and what this Ark of the Covenant represented to those people was the presence of God. And so when the Ark of Covenant went out, they were saying, hey, this is, this is the presence of God. This is kind of like the physical reminder of the presence of God. And we're going to follow the presence of God. And so it was a box that had these two poles on the side because it represented the holiness of God. And so only the Levites and the priests could do it. They would carry these poles and they would march ahead of the army. They would march ahead of the people. And the people were to follow the presence of God wherever it led them. If it led them in this direction, they led them left, they were to go left. If it led them through a hill, they had to go up the hill. If it led them through a valley, they had to go down through the valley because they wanted to follow the presence of God. Because how many know following God is the safest place you can ever be, amen? It's when we turn to go our own way that things become problematic. I know that's what's happened in my life so many times. And so, listen, we've got to follow it. Look at verse 4, the next verse there. Then, watch this, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. How are you going to know which way to go? You follow God's presence, right? Because you've never been this way before. Now, some of us, we're facing something new, right? This is big for you if you're facing something new, a new season, right? You don't know which way to go. You're not sure what's about to happen. Uh, you don't know what, which way to go now that you're praying. You don't know which way to go with all these doubts and these questions. You're wrestling with your faith and not sure what you believe about God anymore. You don't know which way to go now that you're graduating. You don't know which way to go now that COVID has changed this. You don't know which way to go about a, a new job opportunity. You don't know which way to go now that you're in a new city or uh, you're, you're trying to figure out how to care for an aging spouse. Here is the advice from Scripture when you don't know which way to go. It's simple. Follow him right? It's simple, but it's difficult because sometimes we, we don't like the way God is calling us. We've got to follow him. So I'm talking to somebody here who doesn't know what's about to happen next, and I just want to encourage you, follow him, right? Follow him. Stay close to Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing that we have that's different from those folks. We have this entire book of scripture where God has written his love letter to us, with instructions on everything in life about how to navigate. We have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of it where you can pray to God and ask him, God, I'm not sure which way to go. Lead me. And this, with this word and the spirit, we can handle all things that come at us. I'm talking to our church, right? We're not sure what's going to happen in this next season, right? It's going to have some new things to it. Follow him, amen? 
Look at the rest of verse 4, right? It says this. Okay, you have never been this way before. You'll know which way to go. But keep a distance of about uh, uh, 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. What's, what's that about? Um, I don't know if anybody is familiar with 2,000 cubits. You don't measure things in cubits anymore. It's about a half mile or so. And uh, what is this about? This is the reminder that God is holy and perfect. And we as humans, man, we couldn't approach him. Because of his holiness, we are broken, we are sinful, we are often rebellious, and, um, and the same thing was true for the Israelites. And, and so to approach God's holiness, we couldn't do it. But now, because of Jesus Christ, man, we can. I'm talking about God's half-mile holiness, and so we can approach Jesus. Now, see, a lot of us take prayer, and we take reading the scriptures for granted. We don't think what had to happen in order for us to pray to God. In the Old Testament system, and uh, you, you couldn't go to you offered a sacrifice. And you couldn't even go into the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God was. Only one person could do that. That was the high priest. The high priest was the only one person that could do that. All the rest of people, we, we couldn't come into the presence of God and even talk to him. And then after they had the temple, there was, this, uh, there was, there was a big curtain, you know. And uh, the big curtain separated uh, in the temple, the Holy of Holies. And again, the high priest could go in there. But when Jesus rose from the grave, if you've read the Bible, you're familiar with this, right? It says the curtain in the temple tore. And it tore from top to bottom, reminding us that God tore down that barrier. God ripped the barrier that, that our sin had placed between us and him. And he did that because Jesus paid for our sin. And so now we can stay close to God. See, back then, before Christ came, they, there was this great chasm. And, and they had to do it with the blood of bulls and goats. And I'm not so sure any of us would have made it through all that, right? And so listen, we've got to make sure that we follow him. Let's move on. Point number three, before you cross over, right? Before you cross over, remember this. Point number three, set yourself apart. Set yourself apart. This is what it means to be different. You can put that in parentheses. Be different. Be different. That's what I mean by set yourself apart. God is pure. He's holy. As, as we said, he's called us to be holy, not to be perfect. Listen, I hope you know I'm not perfect. Some of you already knew that. You didn't have to say amen so quickly, right? Um, you know that I'm not perfect. My family knows that I'm not perfect, but God has still called me to holiness. He still called you, sir, or ma'am, or teenager, to holiness, to be different, to be set apart. And that's how we continue to see more of how God is leading us. Let's look again at the scripture. Look at verse 5 as we just navigate through the text. Notice what he says. He says this. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. What does consecrate yourselves mean? That means set yourself apart. Let me give you this picture. It's kind of like, you know, some of us, we have some fine china, Right? Some of us, not all of us, some of us like paper plates, and that's cool. I mean, I like paper plates uh, just as much as anybody else. And, uh, but some of us, we have fine china. And where do you keep your fine china? China closet, right? Or china cabinet. I mean, whatever it is, you, you have it set apart. Right? You use all your regular stuff. It's got chips in it, right? You get your old coffee mug. It's got coffee rings in the side. That stuff ain't coming out. You drink out of that every day. But all of a sudden, somebody special comes over. You want to get the good stuff out, right? You make sure that everything's polished and, and, and ready to go. You might break out the china for Thanksgiving or something like that. You get the good stuff ready because you're presenting it in front of somebody. And so, listen, the Bible says we are to be like that fine china. In fact, you can just reach over and tell your neighbor and say, you are like fine china. <laughs> you are like fine china. Some of y'all enjoyed that a little too much. And uh, 
Listen, you're to be set apart. You're to be different, to be pure and holy, ready to be used, listen, when you're called on. When God says, listen, it's time for you to step into action, you're ready to be used. See, listen, all of us come from different backgrounds. God can use, God can use an old vessel. God can use a young vessel. God can use a tall vessel. God could use a short vessel. God can use a white vessel, a black vessel, a brown vessel, a purple vessel, a pink vessel. God can use all kinds of vessels. He can use some broken vessels that have had some past. They've got a lot of chips on them, a lot of scratches and scrapes on them. But he can't use a dirty one. But it's Christ that cleans us. And so when we consecrate ourselves, that's when we come to God and we say, God, I've, I've blown it. I've messed up. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Cleanse me. And like that, you get cleansed. I get cleansed. And so that's what it means to consecrate yourself. So back, back at the text here, y'all got me distracted talking about China. And it says, verse 5, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do what? Amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things before you. Do you know what God has for you? Do you know what the future holds? No. But you know that God is going to do amazing things. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to happen to our nation. I mean, from toilet paper to gas to all kinds of things, right? We don't know what's going to happen politically. We don't know what's going to happen. But we know that God is going to continue to do amazing things. You may not know what's going to happen with your finances this year. You may not know what's going to happen with your health this year. But you know you can trust God. And most importantly, you know the way. And so again, let me just share with you a passage from John 14. John 14, uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples in, in this. He says this in verse 3. He says, and if I go and prepare a place, this is Jesus speaking, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. This is what Jesus said to the disciples before he went on the cross. And then one of the disciples, Thomas, verse 5, said this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Pause for a second. If you're familiar with Scripture in the Bible, did they actually know what was about to happen to Jesus? Notice that Jesus was going to be the political Messiah. He was going to crush Rome and change all this sort of stuff that they thought needed to be changed. Jesus was about to go to the cross, and he said, you know where I'm going. And they're like, we don't know where you're going. And then he was going to go ascend to heaven and be with the Father. And, um, and he said, so how, how can we know the way? And then look at Jesus' reply. What does he say? I am the way. Verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is so much related to what we said before. Follow him, right? Jesus said, I am the way. Stay close to me. If you continue to stay close to Jesus, you will be set apart. You're not going to be perfect on earth, but you'll be cleansed because you stay close to Jesus. And you say, look, I'm just following Jesus best I know how. So you have questions, what is the answer? Follow him, right? Stay close to Jesus. You have doubts about faith, about Christianity, follow him. You have insecurities about your future, about yourself, follow him, amen? Because God loves us. All right, let's keep him close, right? You're about to get married, keep him close. You're you're about to go through a new situation, about to graduate and, and move, keep him close. You got some health concerns, you're raising kids, oh my Lord, You need to keep Jesus close, amen? Keep him close. And then finally is this. So before you cross over, right, remember these things. Number four is this. Expect opposition. Expect opposition. 
you can expect some opposition. And so, listen, number one, we're, we're, we're reminding ourselves the job's not done yet. Number two, we're staying close to Christ. But then we're consecrating ourselves. And number four, we're going to expect some opposition. Look, the fact that God is with you doesn't mean you won't face any giants or you won't have some hard times. Some of us have been taught the lie to believe, no, 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 if you're going God's way, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. And that's a lie. That's called the prosperity gospel, where people use prosperity to trick people into following God. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in fact, I can tell you, in this world, you will have tribulation. But then he said, take heart or be encouraged because I've overcome the world, and you'll overcome the world too. It may look different what overcoming looks like. But listen, you can expect some opposition. Look at the rest of the verses here as we close out this text. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went on ahead of them. And verse 7, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Moses was the previous leader, so there's a change in leadership here. Again, something we're going to experience as well. And, and verse 8, tell the priests, who can carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And, and actually what would happen here is, is the river would part, and they were going to put some stones to remember what God had done there. And then they were leaving that area, and they were going into a new land. Then look at verse 9. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This, watch this, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. Watch this. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. Is he going to say, it's going to be a bed of roses? Uh, everything's going to work out just perfectly. You're going to have a nice smooth road. You won't ever hit any potholes. You won't have to struggle. No, he says this, right? He will certainly drive out. He will certainly drive out. So God is going to drive these folks out before you. The Canaanites, somebody say, ooh. Ooh, these were scary. The Canaanites, they were like giants, right? The Canaanites, all right? The Hittites, somebody say, ooh, y'all keep building with me. The Hivites, ooh, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and last but not least, the Cellulites, worst of all. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. These were the giants of the land. These were the, these were the giants that scared the, the previous generation, that kept the previous generation out from, from moving forward. And they were scared of the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the Amorites and all the other ites, all these ites everywhere. And they were scared of them. The Bible doesn't say, listen, that all these oppositions were taken out of the way. God was going to work through it. And they actually had to, uh, Joshua and these people had to go fight some battles and all that sort of stuff. And so listen, the presence of difficulties, the presence of giants, the presence of hardship in your life doesn't mean that God is not with you. In fact, I would argue that as problems start to rise up, that's probably a good sign you're on the right road. Because as you move closer to God, if you ever want to step out and do something for God, if you're a young person, an older person, and you want to you know, ramp up your faith, I'm going to start reading the Bible, I'm going to start getting back in church, I'm going to start, man, uh, changing the way I'm doing things, and, and you start moving forward in that, you know Satan is going to try to pull you back. Satan is going to try to throw every distraction in front of you to pull you down because he doesn't want you to accomplish your purpose. He doesn't want you to reach your destiny and glorify God. And so, listen, sometimes when the attacks go up, that means you're on the right road, amen? 
And so be encouraged. You can expect opposition before you cross over. We can expect opposition as a church. And so the battle is the Lord's. He will surely drive them out. So there are challenges that we're facing as a church. There are challenges that every church is facing. I don't know if you know this, but one out of three Christians stopped going to church since COVID. One out of three. Now, that means there were families, right, families that used to go to church, used to be here, all that sort of stuff. One out of three of them has said, no, I stopped. I don't need that anymore. Listen, and it's not a health thing. I'm, I'm not, they're not even here online. Right? We got some folks that are still with us online. They just said, you know what? I'm out of that. I'm, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't need Jesus anymore. And so that is a battle to face, right? That is a hurdle to overcome. And even before that, in our city, listen, in our city, four out of five folks didn't even go to church pre-COVID. So let's just, let's just you know, do some numbers, right? Think about your block. Think about the five houses on your block, right? Four out of those five folks did not go to church. It was just one, right? So now let's just take the next 15 houses. And let's say there were three Christians on your street out of 15 houses. Well, now one out of those three is dropped out. And so now there's only two out of the 15. Again, these are just statistics. We know how all that works. You might say, everybody on my street is a Christian pastor. Okay, that's lovely. I hope you have block parties, invite everybody, and, and have a grand old time. And, um, and so, but listen, some people would say, listen, these are barriers to reaching people in our city. These are giants. There's never been a time, probably, never been a time where less people went to church because it's just, it's happening. They're saying one in five churches have closed permanently because of the pandemic. Now, listen, we, we made a different decision. We said we're going to merge. We, we want to multiply our forces. We want to continue to change things. And listen, a challenge we face as a church is we're, we're going to turn this corner and, and, and we're going to head into a transition period, right, uh, with the summer and construction. And we're all going to squeeze in over at, at, at that building over there. And, um, and so, by the way, if you're trying to figure out what times are best, 815 is good. I heard 945 is, is packed. So 11.15 is good and 1. And, and for some of you who, who have some flexibility in your schedule, go to 1 or 8.15. But if, if you've got a tighter schedule, then go, go to 11. But listen, th- there's going to be some changes. It's going it's to be different. You're going to go, I'm not used to, where do I go? I'm not used to being in this building. Or, or the songs are different. Or the colors different. Or the lights are different. Or, or there's different pastors there. There's different people there. There's different greeters there. And, and listen, it will be different. That can be a challenge. And you can let that stumble you and keep you from moving forward. Or you can say, you know what? Every challenge is really an opportunity for God to work. Amen? I, when there are giants and, and all these sorts of things there, man, I, I'm just going to keep pushing through and doing what God has called me to do because I'm staying close to him. You might be saying, man, when we start to merge and we start blending as, a, as you blend a family together, you get to know some different people. Maybe you love everybody here at this church. You love everybody on your own. You might have to sit next to somebody new. And they might wear some shoes you don't like. Listen, you might get in a new group. I hope you get in a new group. You might be with a, a, an old group. And, um, and listen, you might, some new people might come to your group. Imagine that. And, uh, and, they, and they may talk differently than you do. You, you may get into a new group. And, and listen, there's going to be these transition points, and we've got to continue to follow him. We've got to continue to know there's going to be opposition, but we're not going to get caught up in the small things. Why? Because we got a mission to accomplish. We've got a way bigger thing. God has called us to move and do what he's called us to do. Why, why am I going to get caught up in these things? I heard the story. It's a made-up Jewish story uh, about two guys that were with the, the folks that came out of slavery in Egypt, and they're standing before the Red Sea, right? 
and, um, and, 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 and Moses puts out his hand on the stick, and God parts the Red Sea on both sides, walls of water. You could see the, um, the, the, the fish and the Pharaoh's armies coming behind them, and they walk across uh, the, the, Red, the Red Sea, and they walk across on dry ground. But these two Jewish guys, I forget their names, Billy and Thornton, I don't know. And uh, those are not good Jewish names, but that's who it was today. And, um, and, and they come through, and they're going through, and they're saying, you know what? Moses said we were going to walk through on dry ground. Look at this. This is damp sand. My feet are getting stuck in this mud. I can't believe this. Well, look at these. There's little fish flopping on the, 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 the sand here. This is not what Moses said was going to happen. Oh, my goodness. And then it smells like fish. This ground smells like stinky mud. And, man, we can't hardly walk through this. They missed what God was doing. God just split the sea in front of them and rescued them from certain death because Pharaoh and his army were about to destroy them, and we're complaining about it's not quite dry ground. But listen, we do the same thing. We get caught up in the little things when God is doing something big, as Miss Amanda in our kids' ministry told us last year. She had this little lesson about focus on the donut, not the hole. Right? We tell this to our kids. We still use it, right? Because you can look at a donut and be like, there's a hole in my donut. It's missing a part. And forget to give God thanks for the rest of the donut. Amen? And so that's a phrase we use. You can use it now. Focus on the donut, not the whole. Focus on what God has given you, not on what is missing. And so listen, you can expect some opposition. It might look like an army. It might look like a big challenge. Oh my gosh, how are we going to overcome this? But when you keep your eyes on Christ, whatever that army is, man, Keep walking with him. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie 300. It's not one I necessarily recommend. It's actually probably 90% of it you shouldn't watch. But there's one good quote in it because it's about the Spartans, the Spartans, a small little Greek army defending uh, their city. And uh, the big army against them is the Persian army. At that time, the Persians were awesome. And they come, and the Persians sent a scout to, to strike some fear in the Spartan army. And, um, and so the scout comes, and he's kind of going like, nan and boo boo type stuff right? We're going to defeat you. We're going to kill you. So give up is basically their strategy. And so he comes, he comes to the Spartans. He says, the Persian army is so big. The Persian army is so big. When we march, the earth quakes, the entire earth shakes. And the Spartans are like, okay. And then he goes, the Persian army is so big. When we shoot our arrows, it blots out the sun and it becomes night. And you know what the Spartans response was? This is beautiful. It gets me pumped up every time I think he goes, okay. So when you shoot your arrows, it blocks out the entire sun, and it's, it's night. He goes, that's okay. We'll fight in the shade. We'll fight in the shade. We are not giving up. We're going to fight in the shade. And so listen, as a church, as, as an individual, you're going to have to fight in the shade. There's going to be some darkness that's going to come over you, and you're going to have to continue to walk with God and fight in the shade. Amen? And so let's continue to do that. All right, I want to close with these last couple verses. John chapter 12, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26. Jesus said this. The hour has come. This is Jesus saying this before he's crucified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be what? Glorified. Again, in the minds of the disciples, they were thinking Jesus is going to kick some tail. Jesus said, no, I'm about to go to the cross. The hour has come for me to go to the cross. That's how I'm going to be most glorified. The hour has come for me to be glorified. 
Verse 24. But very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and what? Dies. This is a, a planting analogy that Jesus used. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Boy, this is a reminder that as Christians, we lay down our lives, we lay down our preferences, and when we lay it down, God will produce many seeds from what we lay down. The people over at South Norfolk laid down $50,000 to plant seeds here, and, and, and the seeds have been planted. We're laying down, you know what we're laying down? We're laying down our name. I didn't ask all you guys for 50 grand. Actually, that'd be about 500 grand. Right? I could ask everybody for 500 grand. No, we're, we're laying down our name. We're laying down some changes and some leadership. We're laying down some stuff. But the mission remains the same. The Bible remains the same. It hasn't changed. Right? And it's not going to change. We're going to keep doing the same thing. We're going to tweak it in some different ways. And listen, when we lay down what God has given us and we plant those seeds, when you do it in faith, you know that God is going to bless it. It's going to produce many seeds. And that's what we're called all of us to do with all of our lives, right? This isn't just about church. This is about you laying down your seed. What is that? Your gift, your talents, your time, your treasure. When you lay that stuff down and you plant it in the ground and say, I'm going to plant a seed. I know something greater here is going to grow. That's what God has called us. Look at the next verse, right? Verse 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. These are the words of Jesus. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life, right? That's, that's the, the way of Jesus. That's the different way of Jesus. When, when, when we lay down our lives, we actually find life. When we start serving is when we actually find joy. See, the world teaches us, no, get a bunch of stuff and then you'll get joy. Protect all your stuff, then you'll be happy. Jesus says, no, no, that's the opposite. Give away. Give away is the kingdom. Verse 26, for whoever must serve me must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. My father will what? Honor the one who serves me. Church, I want you to follow him, to seek him, to consecrate yourself, to lay down our gifts, knowing the job is not done yet. Wherever you are in your life, I want to encourage you with that. And I just want to close before we celebrate the Lord's Supper again with that verse, Joshua 3, 5. Consecrate yourselves. Because listen, for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. I believe this with all my heart. Tomorrow, next week, next month, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, we, we will not have a clue about the amazing things God will do through our lives as we follow him, as we lay our lives down in obedience to him, wherever you're at. And if you're here today, you don't know Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with him, that's what it means to be a Christian. Christians aren't born Christians. Um, it's a choice you make to follow Jesus, to lay down your life and say, I want to follow him. And as we get ready to observe the Lord's Supper, and if you're watching us at home, you can join us, whatever elements you have there. Us, everybody, let's just take this out. We're going to pause and we're all going to celebrate together this requires some manual dexterity so this is our covid this is our covid way of doing the lord's supper uh, it requires peeling the first layer you'll find the bread there that may be difficult when you get a chance and you get it open you can just hold it Let's just hold it till everybody's got it. We're going to take it together as, as one family. If you're worshiping with us today and you're from a different church background, a different denomination, but listen, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're, you're welcome to celebrate with us. If that's cool with you, it is certainly cool with us. We believe, again, there's one church. We're all celebrating the body of Christ. Now, listen, if you're here today and you're not a believer in Christ, well, we just ask you to hold off. 
Because if you're not a believer in Christ, this is just a piece of bread. Uh, that's all. That doesn't mean anything to you. We actually want to introduce you to the bread of life that can give you eternal life. And, um, and we'd love to help you uh, after this. We want to give you the real thing. This is a symbolic reminder for all believers, reminding us of what Jesus did to bring us near to him. Because, again, God was holy and perfect. We couldn't even approach him for a half mile. But now Jesus has brought a new way. So as you hold this bread in your hand, I want to just remind you of the scripture that the Bible says from 1 Corinthians. It says this, From the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he broke it, and that was a symbolic reminder that he was going to die for us. His body was broken for our sins, for your sins, sir or ma'am. He took it and he broke it, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together, family. There's another layer you can peel to get the juice there. The juice, whatever you're using at home, is a symbolic reminder of the blood of Christ. Just as in the Old Testament, the way of forgiving sins and cleansing for sins was they had to make an animal sacrifice. Now you say, that's really gross. Why would, why would they have to do that? Because listen, sin is not just a joke, right? Sin actually brings death and destruction, and God needed for us to realize that because just like little kids right uh, sometimes do things and they don't realize how much they destroyed something right and um and so god had to remind us as humans we don't realize the weight of our sin and what our sin does to bring destruction to the image and the glory of god and so a sacrifice is required but god instead of making you and me pay the price jesus paid the price and he spilled his blood for us and so this blood represents the blood of Christ that cleanses us from sin. Again, reading from 1 Corinthians, it says this. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant is simply a new agreement. Now, the old way of doing it, big curtain separating everyone, only the high priest can go in, got to slit the throat of a bull and chicken, all that sort of stuff. No, no, that's all done away with. Now I made a new agreement. The blood of Christ was enough to pay for everyone's sins. And it only happened once. You don't have to do it every year. It says this. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And he says this. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so let's drink together. You can just stick those in the little holders there and the pew. Let's take a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. Just have a time of prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor. Just want to ask you to have a little conversation with God right where you're at, thinking through what you need to talk to God about. Wherever you are spiritually, have a conversation with God. Ask him the questions you want to ask him. Say, lead me. If you're here today and you don't know Christ personally and you know that, we'd love to give you this opportunity to start that relationship. You say, Pastor, how do I start that relationship? Just starts with prayer. Just starts with saying, Jesus, help me. In fact, I could lead you in a prayer. And if you'd like to repeat this prayer, that'd be a great way to start your relationship. You might just want to repeat something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, 
If you know that's you, you can just repeat this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe you love me. I believe you love me. And I believe you died for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. God, I want to give you my life as best I know how. God, I want to give you my life as best I know how. Jesus, help me to live for you all the days of my life. Jesus, help me to live for you all the days of my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'd love for you to fill out a connection card. Actually, love for everybody to fill out a connection card. Turn it in at the end. We just would love to help you grow in your relationship. The Bible says when you pray that prayer and you make that choice to become a follower of Christ, that you're brand new. And brand new, you're kind of like a baby. And we, would, we just want to help you grow and help you take your next steps, just like we got these precious babies here. And they need a family to help feed them, to help nurture them. That's what a church is all about. It's not perfect, but we're a family together. I'm going to pray over the rest of us. I'm going to pray over our church and this new season as we're about to cross over. Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, God, you would give us all courage. As a church family, as, as we head into a new season, God, praying that we would keep our eyes on you, that we would stay close to you. And we remember the main thing is the main thing, is to keep Christ exalted and to stay focused on the mission of reaching the lost and not get caught up in the mud, in the small things, in the petty things. But Jesus, we'd stay focused on you. And God, I pray for us as as individuals, as, as many of us are heading into new seasons, God, where we don't know what's coming next. God, I pray that we would just stay close to you, God. And when we stay close to you, God, and when we trust you by faith, God, we'll find your presence there, God. You never forsake us, God. Thank you for that promise. Lord, thank you for this glorious day. And God, we just appreciate you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. All right, we're going to have some announcements here, and then uh, you can turn yourself to the screen, and we'll do something to close.